Hey everybody, welcome to another episode of Bothell Amplified. Pastor Joe here. Um, I am excited to be back with you all. Uh, after a week away, I was at a conference in San Francisco. Uh, you'll hear more about that in the sermon in just a bit. But today we uh, launched a new sermon series called Spirit-Filled People, uh, looking at ways that God calls us to be filled by the Spirit and what that means for us as we look to work towards God's preferred future. This sermon is from 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verses 1 through 12. Check it out here. Good morning. Good morning. My name is Linda Penhaligan. Today we begin a new three-part sermon series called Spirit-Filled People and turn to 1 Corinthians 2 verses 1 through 12. When I came to you, brothers and sisters, I did not come proclaiming the testimony of God to you with superior speech or wisdom. For I decided to know nothing among you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. And I came to you in weakness and in fear and in much trembling. My speech and my proclamation were made not with persuasive words of wisdom, but with a demonstration of the spirit and of power, so that your faith might rest not on human wisdom, but on the power of God. Yet among the mature, we do speak wisdom, though it is not a wisdom of this age or of the rulers of this age who are being destroyed. But we speak God's wisdom, a hidden mystery, which God decreed before the ages for our glory and which none of the rulers of this age understood. For if they had, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. But... As it is written, what no eye has seen, nor ear heard, nor the human heart conceived, what God has prepared for those who love him. God is revealed to us through the Spirit, for the Spirit searches everything, even the depths of God. For what human knows what is truly human, except the human spirit? That is within. So also, no one comprehends what is truly God's except the Spirit of God. Now we have received not the Spirit of the world, but the Spirit that is from God, so that we may understand the gifts bestowed on us by God. Holy words for God's people. You know, I, uh, this week I, uh, I'll tell you more about the conference I was at, but I, I saw a friend of mine uh, for the first time in a long time. His name's Isaiah, and uh, I'm hoping that you all will get to meet him because he is an, an amazing theologian and musician um, and uh, just a great friend. And he and I hadn't talked and seen each other for probably a good six months, five, six months. It's been a while. Um, but I got to tell you, you know when you uh, see somebody that you haven't seen for a long time, and you go up to give that hug, and you just feel that squeeze, and every memory and emotion just comes flowing back. Um, I felt that. And immediately it was like going back into, oh, how, how's your family? Oh, remember that thing you were talking about? How's that going? Or how's that going? And we just were able to spend time together. And I wonder if uh, that's what we get to do on Sunday mornings, right? I mean, maybe you all don't miss each other that much. That's... <laughs> 
Thanks for laughing. I appreciate it. We're off to a great start today. Um, and maybe we're meeting some of us for the first time, and that's all good, because when we come together, we get to remember God's faithfulness in our lives throughout the week, uh, throughout our lives, throughout the history and her story of, of time. So I want to just invite us into that. Would you do one thing for me? Would you turn to somebody, not who you came with, introduce yourself, say what your name is, and then share very briefly, because I got sermon to get to, okay? So very briefly. Um, what was your favorite meal? We're going to have communion in a bit. So let's invoke some of those memories. Turn to somebody who you didn't come with and uh, share your name and what your favorite meal was this past week. All right? Anyone training recipes? Online folk, I see you. Uh, I, got, I got pho with beef and meatballs with old friends, the best meal. Anyone else have a shout out? Want something? Waffles. Good. Choir, give me one. Crab salad. Anyone else? Scallop potatoes. I'm hearing other ones that I can't hear as far. Good. Um, good. We get to come together and share in the experiences of our week and come together to do this moment of church together. Right? Let's not forget that. That we're not here just to come and consume and then to go on our way. The people that we are surrounded by, the people who are online, this community of faith draws us in, feeds our souls, will feed our bodies, and then will be sent to share that same love with the world. That's why we do what we do. And so we do that, and we name that even if you've had pretty bad week of meals, that you, we are so glad you're here. And what you bring, what you offer is good. And if you had steak and lobster and all those things that are considered fancy and expensive, you're welcome to and share next time. Okay? But we mean that. You know, this week, uh, this, this week we launched uh, Black History Month in America. Right, where we remember the legacy of black communities and black folk um, who uh, were brought over as slaves and who continue to fight for dignity, fight for life, for safety. Uh, this week uh, was the burial of Tyree uh, Nicholas. Uh, there's a pastor, uh, an American uh, United Methodist pastor who died in 2020 named uh, Reverend Joseph Lowry. And Joseph Lowry, um, he was a civil rights advocate. He, he, was, uh, he helped start the Southern uh, Christian Leadership Conference um, and, and worked with Dr. King and others. And, and he reminds us that when we look at the past, we do so so that it can inform our present and shape our future. But I'm not sure how much of our future is being shaped. I'm not sure how much we're learning from our past. And so we're going to do some of that work uh, this week and through the coming weeks of how we too can live into God's preferred future and in the ways that God calls us. It starts here. It starts in this moment when we can turn to one another and when maybe not having met each other for the first time, share our name and share a meal or shake a hand or give a hug or, or greet each other online. We're doing something that is countercultural to the ways that society says we're supposed to live. Right? We're breaking down those walls, and we're claiming that for exactly who God created you to be, you are welcome and that you belong. So for this little hour together, we're going to make that a prime value of who we are, 
that for everyone in this space and joining us online with all the baggage that you carry with you, you are welcome and that you belong. And we also want to name that there are places in our world and in our society and even in places of worship where that's not true for everyone, where people have been pushed out and kept out. We want to name especially for you, if that has been your experience, you are welcome and you belong. So if you're a gay or lesbian or transgender, bisexual or questioning, know that you are welcome, know that you belong. If you're black or brown or indigenous, if you've been discriminated against because of the color of your skin, know that you are welcome, know that you belong. If you find yourself homeless or houseless or in the lower economic brackets of our community, if you're single or divorced or partnered or separated, know that you are welcome, know that you belong with all of your unique gifts and abilities created to be bearers of Christ's image to all the world. Know that you are welcome. Know that you belong. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. Oh God, be present here and in all the places from which we are worshiping. Move in us and through us that we too would be moved and changed. Speak to us, we pray. Less of me, more of you. None of me, all of you. May the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts be pleasing in your sight, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. Um, as I was mentioning, many of you know that I was at a conference this past week in San Francisco. It was put on by the Center for Faith and Justice. Uh, this is a center, it's a group of uh, leaders that started gathering in the early 2000s. They, they're bringing about conversations around theology and faith and contemplative study to people all across the world. And the conference that I attended was called The Future of Faith. And when I registered, I thought that I was attending a conference about the life of the church post-pandemic. But here's what it was actually about. The description says, what if we thought of Christian faith not only as a tradition handed down to us, but also as something we participate in building together? What if we saw faith as a communal craft, a dynamic and collaborative process making all things new, inviting us to creativity, beauty, community, diversity, rest, enjoyment, and much more? Join us to explore these questions. So imagine my surprise when, in the first session, the Reverend Rihanna Shaw Robinson is leading us through a process of collective lament, of naming and embodying the brokenness in our world and writing out these as psalms to God. I put my iPad away, and I allowed myself to, to, to sit in the hurt and the rawness of that moment to, to get out of my head and maybe into my heart, you might say. And the rest of the conference was a lot like that. They, they moved us through five shifts for building the future of faith together. They were uh, from triumphalism to lament, from morality to dignity, from certainty to mystery, from superiority to mutuality, and from rhetoric to embodiment. Anyone tired just from hearing those descriptions? Anyone excited? Maybe a little bit of both? Yeah, I think that's where I found myself this week, uh, in a little bit of both. 
It was both incredibly exciting to, to dream and imagine a faith that allowed space for these things, for lament and dignity and mystery and mutuality and embodiment, and it was spiritually and emotionally exhausting to, to work through the unlearning and learning that it will take for all of us to live into God's preferred future. The one I've been thinking about most since coming home is from certainty to mystery. From certainty to mystery. From certainty to mystery. And I want to spend just a few moments reflecting on this. In our text, Paul is writing to the church in Corinth. It's a bustling cosmopolitan city that attracted people from all parts of the Mediterranean region. And we know that he was writing in the mid-50s of the first century and, and that it was a time when Corinth was the center of trade. The city was situated as a post for those who traveled by road and especially for those who traveled by sea docking at one of the two uh, seaports that the city had. And Paul founded this church in Corinth, establishing this community before leaving about a year and a half later to go and start other churches. And as he leaves, the, the church is growing. But that seems short-lived. See, this is at least their third correspondence. And though that the earlier letters did not survive, we can assume that based on Paul's responses, the previous letter was full of questions and, and unresolved issues. This once growing church is now fighting with factions visible. Some are falling back to their former ways, worshiping old gods and leaving the community. And others are claiming absolute truth and rigidity uh, uh, in their beliefs. They're, they're taking sides and, and creating divisions based on knowledge and education, economic status and class, often leading to an exclusion of others uh, into the Lord's table to communion. And perhaps that's not too different from the church today. How many times have you heard or have been accused of not being the right kind of Christian? Or how many times have we thought, I'm glad I don't believe like those guys? How many wars have been started, genocides carried out, laws passed, lands stolen, bodies in bondage, all because one side was certain that their faith was right and everyone else's was wrong. How many people have we condemned to a life outside of belovedness and even an eternity away from God because their beliefs did not match up with what we so know to be the ways and wills of God. Hear me on this. Those harmful beliefs and toxic stances that Christians use to keep people out are antithetical to the gospel that Jesus came to share. There is a way of God that is of love and wholeness and healing and peace. But we also know that so many well-intentioned professing Christians have done terrible wrongs in the name of their faith. So I'm asking us to look introspectively, to, to, to look into our own hearts, 
and to ask ourselves, do we as progressive Christians think we are better than everyone else? I want to let that sit for a little longer. Do we, as progressive Christians, think we are better than everyone else? Paul talks about wisdom. He talks about maturity throughout 1 Corinthians, but, but he challenges it. He reminds the readers and he reminds us that this wisdom and this maturity doesn't make anyone more faithful. Paul's audience was not rooted in thousands of years of Christian tradition. No, see, the opposite was true. There were members of the church in Corinth that were Greek slaves, having only ever known the civic religion that they were brought up in. And then there were those who were immature in faith, and yet they still showed up and participated in the community and were meant to be equal shareholders in that grace. The only place in town where a slave and a noble could dine at the same table and experience God as equals in creation, the only place where the social constructs held no weight was at the table when they gathered. Faith is like that. It's not enough to change the way we act toward our fellow human even when all the social constructs scream, no, that's taboo. Our faith is a mystery. Our God is not safe. Faith in Jesus is revolutionary because it demands that we love unabashedly. I like that line, so I'm going to say it again. Faith in Jesus is revolutionary because it demands we love unabashedly. I remember the first few months we were living in Bothell. I was so excited uh, to be here in the Pacific Northwest. So excited to move away from the rigid conservatism that I so associated with my upbringing in Ohio and the stuffy elitism that I was so conditioned to thinking was the East Coast. Uh, That's my baggage, so don't come at me on social media or or take any of those out of context. Um, Tomorrow, Pastor Joe hates everyone. I'm just going to... But really, I I was so excited about this new life that my family and I were moving into feeling free to express our faith with the potential to live more fully and faithfully into who God was calling us to be. And we we would try out churches those first few months before uh, my appointment here started. We, We listened to amazing sermons. We were challenged to do justice, to advocate for our community. But I also remember uh, not hearing much of Jesus, as if Jesus was and is a name to hide. And then I remember deciding not to preach too much on Jesus because our progressive attempts at justice supersedes sometimes the one we follow. I can't do that anymore. We can't do that anymore. 
Everything we do is rooted in this mystery of Jesus, this this revolutionary work of Jesus, which compels us to live lives as spirit-filled people that the whole world might know God's hope and joy and peace and love. To be spirit-filled is to remember that though we claim a maturity of faith All that it boils down to is remembering the life and teachings and example of Jesus who shapes the ways we see the world, who reminds us that there is a different way, a better way, who inspires us to challenge the systems that keep us down and to remember that God's love is for all. That's why we do this communion thing. That's why we come to the table. There's no right answer. We call it a mystery of faith. Listen for it later on when we do the liturgy. You'll hear it. We proclaim the mystery of faith. It makes no sense. But we claim it, and we choose to follow it. If this has been our faith for our whole lives, or whether this is the first day we are showing up to ask questions, we choose to show up at the table with one another because all of us are welcome to come exactly as we are and to share in the mystery of what God is still doing in our world today. All right, so that was this week's sermon, Launching Spirit-Filled People. Uh, come back next week as we continue our journey through 1 Corinthians. We'll be looking at chapter 3 uh, before we finish the series uh, in, back in Matthew for Transfiguration Sunday. In the meantime, I've been really thinking about what it means for us to loosen our grip on certainty and tr- uh, transition us into mystery and doubt. How would the ways in which we engage the world change if we were to take on a posture of mystery? Uh, hope that guides you this week. Uh, let me know what you think, and I'd love to hear from you. Uh, have a wonderful, wonderful week, and we'll talk to you soon.